book is phenomenal, sweetie, but... What happens next? It's called a cliffhanger, mother. Ellie, it's called a cop-out. Whoa, hey, there's a cat in there. Oh my God, you're Ellie freaking Conway. Author of the Argyle series, Ellie Conway! I am such a fan. Oh yeah, what is it you do? Espionage. Oh, what diabolical world of secrets and intrigue lay before us. Let's go find out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and along with my wife, we're your hosts and we're glad you can join us. Yeah, and as you heard from the trailer, we're going to be reviewing the Universal Apple Films release, Argyle. We saw this film on opening weekend on February 2nd. Our standard spoiler alert is in effect here as we will be talking about specific plot points and themes. So if you have not seen Argyle yet, you will be spoiled. Now, before we get into the movie facts of Argyle, we wanted to remind everybody that we will be in London later this month because we are moderating the panels for the Halo Bearer UK convention. There is a great lineup of guests from the from the show Warrior Nun. Yep. And we are very, very, very excited for the event. And terrified to fly. Uh, well, I'm just saying it like it is. I'm terrified to fly. That's okay. So if you have tickets and you're going to attend the convention, please come and say hi to us. We'd love to meet and chat with you at the convention. With that, let's get back to Argyle, starting with the movie facts. All right. So basic movie facts that we managed to dig up. It does appear this budget's around 200 million, though I did see elsewhere it was like slightly under. So I'm thinking people are estimating it to be about 200 mm-hmm. million at this point. Opening weekend, it was 17 million with a projected 63% drop for its second weekend due to competition, the Super Bowl, you know, per collider. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, currently with 60 million for two weeks. Now, here's where it gets weird. The tagline, once you know the secret, don't let the cat out of the bag. That's funny. The greater the spy, the bigger the lie. I think that should be like the tagline for every single political convention or speech given. Well, I want to just go back to the other tagline that you said. What, the once you know the secret, don't let the cat out of the bag? Yeah, that's funny because the cat is literally in a bag. (laughs) Oh my God, what am I going to do with you? It's like talking across. Forget it. I'm not. I'm not even going there. Oh, I, I know what they meant by it, and yes, I I get the the figurative and literal connection. Yeah, but funny. I was also kind of like, oh, oh come on! It's, it's like, like it's a like classic. A, it's a bad joke. Da, it's, it's a bad dad joke to me. It was hilarious. Anyway, it is also an Apple original films, but I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that it was Apple Studios, mm. and apparently there was some controversy over this film because there was. Uh, the source material issues or something. There were reports that it was based on a then uh, upcoming novel of the same name by some unknown author named Ellie Conway. And then I believe it was September 2022, a year before the first trailer released, The Hollywood Reporter, and we will link the article in our show notes, published a major article asking who this author was. No info is online. The publisher and the agent were dead ends. Then the trailer gets released, and I, I believe it appears to have squashed that controversy. And okay. the Argyle book is actually available to read. And I do remember seeing an Instagram story with Henry Cavill going around in Barnes & Noble in New York City and signing some and just signing them and putting them back on the shelf. I wonder if that's like just a marketing ploy. Well, of course it is. But okay, 
All right. I mean, it would have been really cool if you found one of those copies. <laughs> of course, right? if you couldn't recognize the signature, you might be like, well, who, who, who wrote this book? This. Yes. But anyway, that's the, um, the major facts that we could find and dig up. We will refer back to them possibly later in a different section. But on to the official synopsis from Google. Reclusive author Ellie Conway writes best-selling espionage novels about a secret agent named Argyle who's on a mission to unravel a global spy syndicate. However, when the plots of her books start to mirror covert actions of real-life spy organizations, the line between fiction and reality begin to blur. Anyway, (laughs) this is a story within a story within a story. How quickly she cuts me off. (laughs) Ellie, a.k.a. Rachel Guile, or R. Guile, Dun, dun, dun. And if you didn't pay attention to the spoiler alert, you just got really spoiled. Uh, Is essentially a real top spy who lost her memory while on a mission that went awry. In an odd twist, the director and I guess his top lieutenant, you know, they're running the agency that Ellie works for. They filled her memory void by creating a totally different persona. Ellie is now a writer of espionage books that seem to be an outlet for her suppressed memories. And Ellie is essentially chased by the agency because she holds the key deep in her memories to the information that will bring about the agency's demise. Enter two new characters, Aiden and Alfie, who want to protect Ellie from the agency while also trying to convince Ellie that they are on her side. Eventually, Ellie's memories come back. She finds the missing thumb drive that carries all of the agency's secrets and exposes the agency. After that all happens, Ellie then goes back to her life away from espionage and continues to write books. Her first one will even be made into a movie. But is it really a movie or is something else afoot? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, fine. Let's go into the good, shall we? I mean, it's an original film. I mean, in a land of you know, sequels and prequels and remakes and, you know, based on true events or books being converted into blah, blah. I could go on. I think you get the point Mm -hmm. of of what I'm saying. It it appears that this is an original idea, Mm -hmm. which is is unique in of itself, considering that it's, it's very hard for originals in any medium to really get noticed. In right. today's day and age, you know. It's, a, it's an original story in the the parody espionage genre, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, rom-com, parody. I, I don't know how exactly you would quantify it, mm. but the fact that it actually got to a theater, not to a streaming service, is interesting. The fact that it did make what money it did make shows that people are interested in something different. And looking at the releases coming up in the future, there's a bunch of sequels... But there are some originals that we're seeing. So it's going to be interesting how things work and, and what does well and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to see something different. Yeah. I honestly was actually having a lot of fun in the theater. Like I said, it was a fun little parody. It was very meta and very aware of itself being a parody, mm-hmm. which sometimes makes the best comedic moments, mm-hmm. but also sometimes can make it a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I appreciated how they went about it. I mean, even that mid credit scene mm-hmm. where it was like, the books are all out. The series is done. But now it's a prequel. Going 20 years back. 20 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to know the origin of Argyle. 
Yeah. Which any successful thing, Harry Potter, they went back and did the origins. Well, you know, what is it? Hunger Games. They went back and did the origins. Mm -hmm. In a land of prequels, it was on the nose for the parody in in that aspect. My mom Mm -hmm. didn't get it. Mom was looking at us like, I don't understand. And I had to explain it. Yeah. And then she went, oh, that's that's kind of on the nose. And that that was the point, I think. (laughs) I think. (laughs) Yeah. So... In addition to that, right, the cast of this film, I was like kind of blown away. I mean, I knew that Henry Cavill was in it. I wasn't really looking at the posters, so I didn't notice all of the other stars that were there, right? I should realize that Dua Lipa was in there because she was like prominent in the... In the trailer. In the trailer and in the poster, but it didn't quite hit me. Bryce Dallas Howard was very prominent in the trailer. Yes. Uh, Sam Rockwell, Mm -hmm. Oscar winner. John Cena. I'm just going to go. <laughs> okay. Ariana DuBose. DuBose? Sorry. Du- I thought it was DuBose. DuBose. Um, and then, of course, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, but it is, it is a very awesome cast for what we have for the comedy because they all have comedic chops that can carry it mm-hmm. that have excellent timing. Yeah. So they, I think... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. You already mentioned that it's an original story. So it was an intriguing storyline for me. And it kept me off balance enough to where I wasn't quite sure who to trust. You know, I couldn't quite understand why Ellie kept seeing Argyle, her character, in the mirror. And I'm sure that you did. But like I said, I was entertained. I was like, oh, okay, let me follow where the story is leading. So, I <laughs> And I actually had quite a bit of fun watching the choreography. The fight a, choreography or the, that the, the dance fight slash thing? Uh, the, the fight slash dance thing at the end, especially. Well, I with the that, colored smoke bombs? Right. And the fact that Ellie finally realizes that, yes, Aiden is actually on her side and that they actually had a pass together. Mm-hmm. And that just culminated into this dance where they were kicking everybody's butt it was just a really great, fun way to show that they were in sync. Mm-hmm. And then she unlocked the skating memory, I guess. And I don't think this was a skill that she had before before she lost her memory. Mm-hmm. It was actually part of the new persona. Mm-hmm. And she just unlocked that and started skating on the oil slick. Well, I think that was the point where they are trying to show that her old memories came back, but everything that she was accustomed to with the new memories were there and they were so rich that it kind of became a hybrid of past and present. Right. And so I thought that that was really, really well done. Cool. Okay. Aye, aye, aye. Leaving all of my um, aside, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we kind of delve into the themes? Okay. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me, mm-hmm. and I guess because it is an espionage, you know, Film, well, you are thing. a huge like James Bond. You, you like I that, I, yeah. yeah. Um, but what the what really uh, stood out to me was that context matters, right? Especially in these parody type films, because if you don't know what the context is, it you can easily go down a different path. So, for example, in the scene where Aiden and Ellie are in a hotel room where they're hiding out from the agency goons. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she had just taken a shower and and Aiden is is about to take a shower, too. Now, he was on the phone and didn't know that Ellie was actually listening or overheard him say that, quote, he wants to kill Ellie. And so when Ellie hears that, she's like, oh, my God, 
this guy who's supposed to be helping me is actually after me too. What he really means is that he wants Rachel back. The kick agent who loves dogs and not the writer cat lady. So without that context, she then runs away from him back into danger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he has to go chase after her again. See, I did like that they really made that a prominent theme. Mm. Because we literally live in a world with misinformation and Mm -hmm. misunderstandings. Yes. And it is so egregious at this point because, you know, we don't take things into context. We immediately hear something and we immediately go into fight or flight instead of, say, Googling the truth or asking the person directly, hey, is, is this what you meant? We've become a society of reaction as opposed to step back, step back, reflect act Mm -hmm. and act with full information so it's this interesting thing because at the end when ellie comes back and realizes what she's done and they explain to her what's going on and why he said what he said she's like oh (laughs) yeah the one that stuck out for me though was that no man or woman is an island no no one is you need the help of other people in your life to get through a secret mission or to pick up you know things when they go awry or just to sit and be near you when you just need company to not feel so alone. Right. But that's being human, right? Mm -hmm. So there are days when you're going to need others help and there are days that you could help someone else. So it's, it's a give and take situation that hopefully is something that everybody can recognize when it is needed. So slight sidebar. Mm. Do you feel that these two themes within the structure of the movie kind of worked hand in hand yeah there is an element of having to be vulnerable in order to let others help you right Mm -hmm. and she had to figure out who she could trust so there are different layers within there that she had to go through in order to actually get through what she needed to get through right in the beginning of the film she is in colorado Mm -hmm. beautiful beautiful house facing a lake and the mountains and she's by herself with a cat with a cat And her argyle statues and dolls. And she is on purpose closing herself off. And I don't know if that's, you know, as a writer, sometimes you need that solitude to Mm -hmm. write your stories. But it also, in one of the scenes, you know, someone actually wants to take her out for just a drink. Just a drink to get to know her on a personal level. And she says no. Yeah, but I also think later we learn that that person's like one of the bad folks. So kind of cool that she didn't do that. I understand that. Right. But the point is that she really is closing herself off. Or in that specific instance, one could turn around and say her gut instincts because she was a previous, you know, secret agent person. Mm-hmm. Her gut instincts were saying, don't trust this person, girl. Okay. Run away. So I'm just saying that there's very I, I agree with you that I see your point. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there could be different ways to interpret that specific instance. Yes, yeah. I do believe she's isolating herself. She says she needs to write. She plays with her cat. She's like, I'm not alone. Her mother says, find a man. She goes, no, I've got my cat. I'm fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I get your point. But, yeah, there's just a lot that's going on in this movie and a lot of missing pieces. Mm-hmm. So on that note, I'm going to twist us into the bad. Is sure. that okay? Twist us into the bad. Twist us into the bad and pray that we don't drown under the weight of all my points. The CGI to me, (laughs) there were spots where I was just like, oh, that's bad. And then the ice skating on the oil was just 
It looked so fake to me. And I maybe it, what was the point. I know that was possibly what they were going for, but mm-hmm. it it was just... Ugh. Okay. See, for me, I thought some of the CGI was actually quite good. So I was enjoying how the movie was incorporating all of that into it. But don't you think some of the stuff that they did that appeared to be CGI, don't you think they could have done it practically? Because there didn't appear to be a lot of massive need for CGI in this, with the exception of like the fight scenes and the explosions. There could have been. Mm -hmm. And who knows, because this was Apple Films, maybe they opted for doing a lot of the CGI because they had that resource. And maybe it made it easier for filming because they didn't have to go to whatever location. I really don't know what the cost-benefit analysis goes into something like that to make a decision on whether or not you do CGI or you do on-location shoot. I would think that doing an on-location shoot might be actually cheaper, but I guess it all depends. I wish there was a way to find out more information about that as far as transparency, but I also don't think they have any desire to release that information. of course not. (laughs) I also think marketing-wise, something very much bothered me. The trailer really gave me the impression that I was going to have a lot of John Cena doing comedy, which he's very good at. Mm Mm-hmm. And Henry Cavill. Especially how the poster was, because Henry Cavill is, like, prominent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's the, he's the point of the arrow. Yeah, and then when you see all the marketing when they're in the stores and they're, he's signing books and he's putting them away, it gives you the inclination that he is a prominent supporting character. And while theoretically, no, I didn't think he was the lead. You don't think so? I didn't think he was the lead because it's literally about her books. But I really thought the story revolved around her and then he was the next point. Okay. And instead, he's, he's what, 10 minutes? Like there's snippets here and there. If we take everything together, it's not more than 10 minutes of a two hour plus film. Yeah. That to me is basically going against their theme because context matters. And they presented context of one thing and then gave me something else. And that's a very bad bait and switch. Mm. It was a letdown. Yeah. I kind of felt misled and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that was part of the whole constant thing that this is a parody. And so what you what you see is not really the whole truth, you know? So. Yeah. And that's where my... <laughs> record scratch comes in from the cast because we've got an amazing cast but forgive me they all feel so underutilized Mm. yeah i'm fine with it if it could carry itself but then you have a story with so many twists and turns and some of them were obvious and this is another little you know thing of mine i literally leaned over to you maybe 40 minutes 30 minutes into the film and i said she's argyle and you were like what and i'm like she's argyle you just watch. She's Argyle. And you kind of waved me off. And Yes, because I was trying to enjoy the ride. Well, yeah, but you waved me <laughs> off. And it, it was very blatant to me. But it was also, it just got to the point where you couldn't believe anything in the film because there was always going to be something that would turn that around into something else. Yeah. And after a while, I felt like I was watching Kids in Disney World on the Mad Tea Party. Mm-hmm. Instead of an actual movie with a roller coaster twist and turn here or there, I felt like I was just constantly being misled. And after a while, that just got so annoying that I I didn't appreciate 
the really good twists because I was inundated with ones that really didn't matter. Mm. So I guess that kind of dovetails into the fact that the runtime for this was two hours and 19 minutes. Yeah. So maybe it could have been like a flat two hours and... Including may- including credits and all that? No, I think including credits, it's like two hours and 40 minutes. No, but I'm saying, do you believe the film could have been two hours flat, including all of the credits? If the story was made tighter and had removed some of those plots and twists that were not necessary, mm-hmm. I think it would have been fine. And it might have been a better film. I don't know. I have no idea. I just know that I looked at my watch several times and after a while I was like, all right, I get it. Can we wrap this up? I get mm-hmm. it. You know, I felt like I should have been holding up like a five second sign. You know, like you're in the red. We got to stop now <laughs> before like that. You know, when people do the Oscar yeah. speeches, they get the music playing louder. Yeah. That's what I felt like somebody should be doing. And you want you want the hook. Huh? I want the hook <laughs> or the gong from the gong show, you know. But this is, again, why I say the amazing cast was wasted yeah. or underutilized. I don't want to say wasted because they really did do excellent with what they had, but they were underutilized for their abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just going back a little bit to, you know, you said that you had to explain to your mom the ending and all of that. In the mid credit scene. In the mid credit scene. It also took me a while to actually understand what that was. And really? Then, yeah. I didn't hear you explain it to your mom, but I was like, oh, let me just think about this for a minute. Then it slowly sunk in and I'm like, oh, okay, I understand though. So I can understand how some folks would have the same reaction like you did where, okay, where is this going? Mm -hmm. It's not entertaining anymore because it just has way too much. Yeah. Like I said, it felt like the mad tea party where you're constantly just spinning where, you know, you yelled at me to slow down. Or do you have a roller coaster where you do have a twist and a drop and a turn, but everything comes to a a good conclusion and seems Mm -hmm. to flow. So I don't know. But I will jump into the cute though, because there's some cute there. Alfie the cat. I love the cat. <laughs> the cat and in I'm the bag. I'm allergic, so I love the cat. The cat in the bag. And the I little love- cat carrier. Oh my God. That was so hilarious to me. I'm like, oh my God, she has him in a backpack. You know what that got me thinking of? What? You know, we've obviously, our listening audience knows that we've lost our dog mm-hmm. uh, last year. She passed away. And all I kept thinking about was Sassy would have loved to be in a backpack where she could see the world. And not have to walk. I don't know, though. Oh, no. She hated walking after a while. Like, when I would start carrying her around, she loved it. But I would have to have the carrier in a way where it's like a backpack strap where I can take it off, but it has a handle in the back so I can, like, let her sniff and do whatever she wants. But then I can put her on my back and carry her from till the next section of the park where she would want to come down. But I could see us doing that with our next dog Mm -hmm. that we rescue. I thought that was adorable. I love that they do have cat carriers because, you know, pets are like kids to a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just immediately went to, I, I wanted to do that with my, <laughs> my puppy. So for me, I thought Ellie, the way Ellie was spelled is L-E-L-L-I-E. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw like the, I think it was the IMDB cast, it's actually spelled E-L-L-Y. Okay. And that is the last four letters of Argyle spelled backwards. And I'm like, oh, look at that. There's a clue there that I totally missed. I thought, well, for me, I thought Is that was cute. The- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. It's not for you. It no, was for no, me. No, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm asking, though, is, is it an actual Easter egg or is it just coincidence? I don't know that it's a coincidence. I, I but think that's what I'm saying. Clue. There's so many twists and turns. <laughs> I don't know what is real. Point taken. Point yeah. taken. 
I mean, it's if it's deliberately like done, it's cute for me. If it's deliberately done, that's cute. You know, Easter eggs in the title are, are great. You know, it's mm-hmm. fun going back and seeing things like that. But if it's not, and it's just coincidence, you're like, why? <laughs> why are you still doing this to me? It's torture for you. I understand. Ugh. I thank God I didn't eat before I did the mad oh, tea party. Come on. Oh, you're talking about the mad tea party. Yeah. I'm never getting on that anyway. But Not with me again. Neither here nor there. How about um, we then end our discussion here? With the Forever Fangirl rating. And yes, let us figure out our rating, shall we? So, drum roll, please. We rate Argyle 3.5 stars. And this is a blended rating. Yep. I thought it was a 4.0, while Kimmy thought it was a 3.0. And it was a rare disconnect for us. Yes. But now we have to refer back to the beginning movie facts. Do we think this film's going to be a flop or not? Can it develop legs to success? Mm. And I hate to say it because it's an original film and I appreciate some diversity among the theater experiences Mm -hmm. going on right now. I think it's going to flop. It's a niche film in a land of sequels, prequels and streaming services. I don't know the origin, uh, how it was, you know, came to be if, you know, Apple wanted to put it on Apple Plus for streaming, but shifted gears to put it in theaters to fill a gap because of the strikes last year. We've noticed a lot of uh, places doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really don't. Is it fun? Sure, to a point. You know, but if if we weren't covering this for the podcast, I would have been upset that we spent that amount of money because it's not cheap going through to the theater anymore. No. And I would have been upset that we went to the theater and spent money on that specific film. So... I don't know if you had to ask me right now at this moment, at the time of recording, if I believe it would make its budget back, I would say no. I would lean towards flop. Yeah. Given that the movie didn't make a lot in opening weekend and we saw it, we saw it on a Friday Mm -hmm. and the, the theater wasn't really half full. Usually with movies like this on opening weekend, it's in a bigger theater and it's a lot more crowded. This was in a smaller theater. But we should also put the caveat that it's a February film. And you and I both know that February films, January, even March, they don't necessarily always have packed theaters. Just the point that I'm making is that I am agreeing with you that I think, unfortunately, it is going to be a flop because not a lot of people are seeing it. And possibly word of mouth is actually also killing the momentum for the film. Because even though I personally enjoyed it, not a lot of people are on that same bandwagon. Do you think they will continue going forward with sequels if they had initially planned on them? It depends. If it's not making its budget back, I read somewhere that this is actually the third Apple Studios film that went to the theaters. And really? It's the third consecutive flop. Wow. Like they've they've made the budgets of all these three films are about 200 million and this third film actually is the least amount of money made. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so then that, I guess it, it, I wonder then just going for a slight aside, is it the trend of theaters going down? Because if you look at the Marvel movies and, and Disney, Disney has had problems getting people's butts in seats. And now you're having, you're telling me Apple has had three movies mm-hmm. that have come out that are having the same thing. So is it that the film quality isn't there or is it film fatigue? I don't know. It's an interesting concept. It's we, an interesting thought. 
yeah, you know, had COVID never happened, you know, we probably would not see this. However, mm-hmm. you couple COVID and then the writer's strike and then the actor's strike and all of that. Yeah, it's a blow after blow after blow. And for then you add theaters. the, the uh, expansion of streaming services because before COVID, Correct. Disney yes. Plus was on the horizon. Mm-hmm. There was no, I, I don't remember Peacock or Paramount. I don't know if Paramount was out yet, but I do know there was Hulu, there was um, Netflix. You know, you had like one or two and then COVID, there was the explosion. So I wonder if it's a trifecta. You know, you have all the disruptions in production, you know, between COVID, the strike, et cetera. And then you have, you know, film fatigue Mm -hmm. coupled with people trying to be a little smarter because if they're doing the streaming and they're already paying for it, why not just wait for it to be on streaming? We've discussed that usually, you know, put it on 45 days later. We have discussed that. I wonder how films like this that could be really, really good and maybe have sequels that build on the universe and are better than the original because the foundation is already there, how they're going to balance what's going on in the industry and creation. Because if this doesn't do well, will this be a blight on original films going forward? I don't know. Um, It could be, right? And that's a scary aspect. It is. And I don't think that we'll have a clear answer until... After this year, because of the strikes, mm-hmm. right, we, we need to give it a little bit of time to see because there's that stoppage. And now if we have the films that are in the hopper and they come out, if they become successful, then maybe not. However, the trend right now doesn't look positive. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right. We're going to have to wait till 2025 to get a clear. I would say the end even of 2025, because I know Disney is releasing uh, Turning Red, I believe, and Soul to theaters, which they launched in 2020, I believe, or mm-hmm. 2021 on Disney Plus. So knowing that there are films filling holes now and everything has been pushed back, maybe the end of the year we'll start to see other things like the surprise notification of Moana 2 coming out this November, I mm-hmm. believe. So maybe there's light on the horizon. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to have a clearer picture until maybe even the end of 2025, what the streaming services are going to do, what it, the future looks like for original films. And what the audience looks like. Right. Bringing it all back, though. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this film does if it ends up being, say, an Apple-exclusive film series or special series. Mm -hmm. I feel like right now with all this unrest that I'm on that darn Mad Hatter's Tea Party ride. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Anyway. Your final thoughts. My final thoughts, love. James Bond, this is not. (laughs) She's... I mean, it's just not. It's corny. It's cheesy. It's sometimes downright ridiculous. But maybe that was the point. The film just kind of felt like it was going out of its way to be a parody at times. And that really sort of annoyed me with all of its twists. And just it it was just too much. And maybe that was the point because it just is what it is. But if I expected a serious spy film from the trailer showing a cat in a backpack that bounces off tires, <laughs> someone really needed to take my computer and podcasting gear away from me because I was missing the obvious points. But for me, this is just not top tier. The film feels very average. It's just a silly rom-com to watch with a loved one on a couch at home with some popcorn and you know relaxation Mm. i see for me i was entertained and as you said it doesn't have the gravitas of a james bond film but 
What does? The hunt for Red October. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Sorry, you just asked. <sighs> this film is meant to be a can-you-figure-out-who-done-it caper, where suspension of disbelief in some places is very, very much needed. Just a little suspension of disbelief? <laughs> or can I just back the truck up of disbelief? Anyway, while it did get a little long in some spots, I thought there was enough moments there to make it a fun enough movie to watch. So, At the end of the day, for me, the film was forgettable, but the experience of going with you and mom to the movie mm. was more valuable. And that's how I view this. Okay, so? So... Like I said, it's a fun get-together film. It was, it was the catalyst that brought us together. No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> on that note, that's going to be our show for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to our review of Argyle. If you'd love to reach us uh, here at Forever Fangirls Podcast, we have several ways you can do that. You can go to our website, foreverfangirls.com. Find links to our Discord, social media, a contact form, and easy access to all the subscribe buttons to wherever you listen to podcasts. So until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, the greater the spy, the greater the lie. But who is the real agent Argyle? We may never quite know. Well, we know it's not Henry Cavill. Really? <laughs>